podcast, right? Especially when we're talking about whittling. <laughs> this is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Here with me today is the maitre d', the <laughs> head waiter of the T-Bones and Taters Bible Church in Bowie, Maryland. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? Listen, man, I'm ready to start whittling on the word. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna let you all in on our inside joke. I'm ready to start whittling on some truth. My brother. youngest, Come on. my youngest daughter, she cuts, she cut. I mean, she really cut. She sliced her hand open today, whittling. I'm like, whose child is this sitting over here whittling? Yeah, I'm trying to think of who's who. Whose father lets the child <laughs> just whittle? Yes, with and with a box cutter. And I didn't tell you that part. <laughs> a box cutter. That's a city girl right there. And what in the world? Only is she a city doing? girl would whittle with a box cutter. Whittling with the box cutter. Yep. I, I'm like, oh goodness. So I'm, I'm. So I was like, put your hand on 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 the counter. I need to take a picture of this. <laughs> so I got to tell y'all the story now. It's, it's the whole thing. So she cuts herself and she goes to my wife and says. I cut myself, so she has her fist closed, and she goes over to the sink and just starts kind of, you know, you know, washing it off or whatever. And then Beverly's, you know, she turned Callie is her name. She turns her hand over, and she, you know, you can see the the slice. And Beverly's like, "Oh my goodness, she's, it's like she's losing blood." So then she's like, on a on a scale of one to five, I'm like, "Why don't you just use ten? On a scale of one to five. How 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 much do you feel like you want to pass out? <laughs> and Callie says three. <laughs> I'm like, wait wait, is this the three? Like like which one is the one? Is it one that's the that's the pass out or the five of the pass out? I said okay, so let me ask you again: if five is the pass out, three one to five, she's like three. So Beverly says, all right, go lay down. So she lays down in the middle of the uh, living room, and then. You know, Beverly's like, well, because because she's starting starting to see her lips like yeah. lose color. Yep, she's like, she's gonna pass out. So she says, "All right, all right, uh, give her some chocolate." <laughs> and then, then Callie looks up and she's like, "No, not chocolate! Don't make me eat chocolate." <laughs> she's going delirious. <laughs> so I give her some. I have like some chocolate covered almonds with coconut and um fancy stuff from Aldi. You know, I get yeah. the fancy stuff from Aldi. And so she's sitting there and she's like, I don't think that worked. I need more. <laughs> Girl, get up. Yeah. <laughs> you are fine now. <laughs> so then now I gotta dress her wounds and all these things. Oh, yeah. Never a dull moment, but always a good moment. Always bright in the boon home. Yes, yes, always bright. Speaking of which, I got some uh, some questions here for you. One of them actually comes off of this uh, <clears throat> this exercise that we were doing. So what we were doing is as we you know are doing our <clears throat> eating, you know, eating dinner. Uh, I usually read through something where we talk about something. So I decided to find the ninety five theses of Luther mm. and kind of walk through them. Yep. Uh, to my demise, because <laughs> I did not realize that some of the theses that he actually wanted to talk about, some of the topics that he nailed to um, the uh, to the door, yep, were 
actually not that great. Nope. Um, some of them were actually very uh, uh, Catholic, Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic in nature, and very I was like, much. "Oh, that's that's not right." So we're reading through, and I just had to make you know some corrections, and so I want to ask you a, a, a couple of questions about that. The first biggest one is, <clears throat> well. He came up with, you know, it came down to like him being like uh, faith. You know, mm-hmm. faith was the faith alone. Sola fide was the uh, the, the catalyst basically mm-hmm. for our salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, is that uh, is that can we associate that with Lutheran, like the denomination of Lutheranism? Because um, I kind of have some questions about that because as I was reading through the um, the theses, I was like, okay, this seems a lot like what Martin Luther, like Lutherans that mm-hmm. I know of, mm-hmm. they believe some of these things. Um, mm-hmm. So can you kind of go through what that is? And this is also a question that uh, a listener had mm-hmm. um, because one of his students are actually uh, Lutheran. And he said, some of the things I agree with some of the things I'm like, nope, that ain't it. Mm-hmm. So, what, what can we do? We'll pull from that. What is Luther? You know, what is that Lutheran denomination, and some of those bad uh, th- uh, theses that he had there? Yeah. So, um, this is this is. Uh, there's a lot of misnomers about uh, Martin Luther and the timing of the Reformation and all of that, mm-hmm. and some of it is is even for lack of a better word, confusing historically, like trying to nail down his conversion and things like that are, are, are uh, hard. You're reading between the lines and trying to discern, you know, was he saved at this time? Was he saved at that time? You reach a point later on in his life where it's obvious he is. And so some of that is, is when you're dealing with church history, it can be a little, uh, and, and speaking, you know, honestly, it can be a little hard mm-hmm. to nail that down. Uh, I take the position that there is really good reason to believe that he was not saved when he when he nailed the 95 thesis mm-hmm. to the to the Wittenberg uh, castle door. Mm-hmm. Um, he might have been, he might have, but if he was, he was. It was just beginning, and the reason for that is is what you see in the thesis and what you don't see, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so, if he was regenerated at that time, it was it, it was an for lack of a better word, an immature, infantile faith that was beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And that could be the case. Um, but it seems likely when you read some of his other writings a few years later, you can see a clear dif- uh, differentiation of of repentance and faith, and that becomes really clear, What is which is not clear in the 95 Thesis, really, at all. Mm-hmm. So um, what most sound theologians, historical theologians uh, agree on is that what you have in the 95 thesis is not an articulation of the gospel. And that's what most people think. Mm -hmm. They think he's nailing, you know, he's quoting scripture and he's nailing the gospel basically up on the door. Not at all. Martin Luther never wanted to start a new movement. He never wanted to start a church. Mm -hmm. He never wanted to start a denomination as we think of it. That wasn't even an idea back mm-hmm. in that all there was was Roman Catholicism. Right. And so his idea uh, um, was never to start a new movement. Other people had that idea around him and he, mm-hmm. d- he despised it. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther's dream, if you will, his idea, his purpose, his goal was to reform 
the Roman Catholic Church. That's mm-hmm. what he wanted. He wanted to deal with. He he was, for all intents and purposes, he was he loved Roman Catholicism. Like that was his deal. He was a monk and he believed in it and he embraced it, and he saw uh, saw uh, you know that system as not totally corrupt. He just saw it as having all kinds of problems that could be addressed. Mm-hmm. So that was his mindset. So when he's nailing the 95 Thesis, he is not saying, I'm done with this. We're starting a new movement called the called Lutheranism. That was not, not at all. Right. He was like, we need to fix this. This is wrong. We need to address it. And I'm, I'm going to give you 95 problems that I see, essentially, with Roman Catholicism. Not for the purpose of changing to a whole new denomination, but for the purpose of let's address it. Mm-hmm. And so what you see in uh, in the 95 thesis, thesis isn't really even Protestant or evangelical. Mm-hmm. It's Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. but it's a Roman Catholic who's beginning to wrestle with scripture and go, yeah, this does, I can't find this in scripture, or this is a contradiction, or this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so you can see what's happening is the word is having its effect on his heart and his life. And he's looking at Tetzel and the other theologians in in the Roman Catholic system, the Pope and all of that. And he's going, I don't see that in scripture. Or that's a contradiction. Right. You say this, but you live that bunch of immoral men doing this while the word of God says that. Mm -hmm. So that's what he's dealing with there. And so when you read through it, yeah, you're going to walk away confused and go, what is that? But if you understand historically what he's doing, he's, he's, he's being awakened Mm -hmm. to the truth. And, and again, I've, as I've taught through this numerous times, part of our problem with church history is we read uh, anachronistically, meaning we take our culture, our thoughts, our ideas, and we impose them back there. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that. We've got to put ourselves in the shoes of those men. And you have to realize, in his mind, there were there was no other option but to reform the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. Like the idea of, you know, what we have today is, yeah, we'll just go plant a church or go do this. Like, you didn't do that, right? The Roman Catholic Church was the church. Right in their mind there was nothing else so so that wouldn't even that wasn't even a thought until there was no other option right then it became clear once he realized no this whole deal is utterly completely corrupt and in his mind satanic and demonic that's when he's like yeah we, we you know that's when i think he's he gets it that they get the gospel completely wrong mm-hmm. and they're totally in a whole nother camp and that's when he's like yeah we i can't do this anymore and obviously, the Reformation had already started long before Luther comes along, but that's when it really starts to take shape with the solace then, mm-hmm. right? And it, and it starts to grow. It was already growing with Wycliffe and uh, and John Huss and those men. The it goose. W- yes, absolutely, and and. Uh, and uh, the Lollards and all of those, all of those men, which were, were 100 and 200 years before Luther. Mm-hmm. So all of that was already happening and brewing under the current. It was Luther that, that just by God's design, and there's reasons for it, I think, in large part, even sovereignly because of the printing press. And all of that was happening at the same time, mm-hmm. which then really uh, ships that truth around the around the then known world rapidly because of the printing press and obviously then the reformation starts to spread from germany to switzerland to england through the different men john knox john calvin and obviously down the line it goes so so yeah so when you're reading on luther you have to understand 
yeah, there's a good chance he probably wasn't even saved, right? Regenerated mm-hmm. um, when he nailed that 95 thesis. Some would say he is, he was, but he was, you know, infantile. I, I've read and looked and studied and I'm, I lean more to the reality that he probably wasn't, but God was still working and he was beginning and his study of scripture in his time as a professor was starting to open his eyes mm-hmm. and that's what did it. It was two things. It was his own reading of scripture and then, and then his understanding of the immorality right? The wickedness of Roman Catholicism, what he saw within the cardinals and the popes and, and the, and the system that was abusing people to get money for the cathedral and all of that nonsense. Like it just, it just deeply bothered him because he saw it as a complete contradiction, Mm -hmm. an utter complete contradiction of what scripture says. Mm -hmm. And so that's obviously began to stir in his heart and obviously truth. When you start reading scripture, you start to go, yeah, this, this isn't right. And that's what happened. And his eyes were opened and, uh, yeah, especially when he's reading through the book of Romans. And that's what, that's what likely seems to have done it when you reading through his commentary. And and then it's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's a totally, like he, he speaks different. He speaks emphatically. And, and, uh, that usually, that happens a couple years later after, um, after the, uh, 95, uh, thesis, Mm-hmm. So um, there was one of the theses that actually spoke about uh, communion. Yeah, um, and I have them all right here. Yeah, I, yeah me as I well. Hope, uh, but the, the the question I have is more or less like because uh, and, and to give you a background, one of my uh, the guys that I used to listen to a lot, um, uh, Christian hip hop rappers. I know Vody Bakum would hate to hear me talk about them, but. He kind of went from a very reformed Calvinistic viewpoint and he went all the way Lutheran. Yeah. And when I say that, like he literally had has had a couple of albums that talk about like that. And I yeah. remember him explaining in one song that like the body and blood of Christ, you know, like how can you believe that what Christ said here was not literal, but you know, when he's, when Christ says, uh, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, how can you not believe that that is literal? So is that a belief of the Lutheran church? Like the, the, uh, the Lutheran denomination, what do they believe? Uh, you know, as far as like, like where, cause it, it sounds like it, and here's the thing, it sounds like there and, and, uh, my friend Todd, uh, put this very well. It sounds like they're reformed Catholics. there there's some truth to that and um so you see this in church history right um with with all of the magisterial reformers and what that means is uh luther zwingli calvin were what's what's called magisterial reformers meaning they continued to struggle in their understanding of the place of the magistrate Mm -hmm. right the government Mm -hmm. right and the place of the church Mm -hmm. and they continued with this kind of weird wedding together the government and the church Mm -hmm. so essentially and because that's what roman catholicism did right right and so when they're when they're breaking away from that they're not sure how to do all this and they're struggling and they're carrying a lot of baggage with them Mm -hmm. so when you look at lutheranism and different things you see a ton of roman catholicism in it because they carried it with them Mm -hmm. they broke away in certain areas but other areas they didn't and 
And and some of that's understandable because they're they're plowing a, a road that had never been plowed, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, scripture is there, but they're they're translating scripture from from the Greek and and putting it into German, and which was never there. And so they are really, in so many ways, reformers and and explorers and and setting a tone that hadn't been set for for a thousand years. So I think there's a lot of grace that needs to be given to those guys because you know, like. Martin Luther, in many ways, especially in the region he was in, he would have been in so many ways the first uh, married, quote unquote, pastor that people had ever seen because right. yeah. all the popes and, you know, they're not, I mean, they all had their mistresses because of the immorality, but they weren't married. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so then when you start to realize, wow, they really were plowing a chart that was by and large unknown, mm-hmm. you know, how do we do this? There was no, there was no book to pull off the shelf and, you know, it's got all the doctrine, got all this, you know, Protestantism, they, they're, they're figuring this out as they're translating and, and, and preaching and reading. And so when it comes to infant baptism, where does that come? That's Roman Catholicism just brought over. When it comes to this weird mix of government and church where, where the government is the disciplinary arm of the church, which is why, you know, Michael Servetus gets burned at the stake and under John Calvin. Why? Because that's what Geneva, the city of Geneva and the government, they burned him at the stake. They disciplined him because he was a heretic and that's what the government did. They were the ones who brought the discipline, right? The church, they, they found the person guilty or not guilty and it was government's role to kill them or to do whatever. And you had this weird wedding of, of that reality that's pulling out a Roman Catholicism and Mm -hmm. and that eventually breaks Mm -hmm. praise the Lord because it's obviously not biblical. So you, you see for a a couple hundred years, this just inability to break away from a lot of that baggage, which again makes sense because Roman Catholicism had essentially had a thousand year foothold. Right. And that's why, you know, Zwingli, (laughs) Zwingli's running around with his sword and, killing more people than anybody wants to admit. And he, he came with his issues and, and because you had this, the, the, almost like the Holy Roman empire. So they're, they're taking the Holy lands. They're taking it by force. Right. Just a lot of, there's a lot of darkness in that post-reformation era, mm-hmm. era that people just are, uh, they just overlook. And I understand it. And I'm, I'm giving guys grace because again, there's so much there that we wouldn't have understood and tried to wrestle with. And yet I think you just got to be honest with it and go, yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess. Mm. And, um, but thankfully God's word prevails and the purity of the word eventually comes through. And so to answer your question, yes, there's a lot of, there's a, you see it in the church of England, right? The church of England, eventually where the reformation happens in England mm-hmm. and goes over and the church of England is just a bunch of English Roman Catholics mm-hmm. on so many levels. There's mm-hmm. so much Roman Catholicism get, gets embedded in there. And then that's what instigates the, really the Puritan movement, mm-hmm. right? Because, and the separatists, because they're looking at church of England going, no, no, this, we're right back to where we started. And this is all wrong. And the book of common prayer and all of this. And so you, you, you have just this constant, reform, reform, reformation that just keeps happening on each continent and each region. And as it continues to work out, it, it, it gets purer and purer and purer as the word of God goes out. And that's a blessing. And in so many ways, it continues today. That's the whole point. Always, uh, the reformation, uh, call is reformed, always reforming. Like it never stops. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, 
So for a couple hundred years, you had a lot of baggage going into whether it's the magisterial governmental disaster or whether you got the infant baptism, the whole communion debate, you know, Lutheranism, you know, Luther made a big deal of transubstantiation that the priest does not change the, the blood and, or the, the, the wine and the bread into the blood and body of Christ. That's what Roman, Roman Catholicism teaches that it literally turns into like that the elements literally turn into Christ and therefore he's re-crucified every mass. And obviously that's heretical and, and blast blasphemous on like 12 levels. Mm -hmm. And so Martin Luther's like, yeah, no, that's all wrong. So then he came up with the idea of consubstantiation that what that basically says is, so he, he separates from transubstantiation. No, no, it's not that. So then he comes up with consubstantiation, which basically, uh, means that the, the, uh, the elements don't literally turn into the blood and body of Christ, but that the blood and body of Christ are in and with and around the elements. And you're just like, I struggle to understand what that even means. So he's pulling away, but he doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what you see. These guys pull away and they did really good. They get, they get it. Justification is not by works. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther figured that out. He nailed that. That became the, the Reformation cry where it was like, no, we are justified by faith alone, not by works, right? Mm-hmm. But yet he, even he wrestled with that and he struggled like with the book of James because he's like, wait a minute, if we're not justified by works, what is James talking about when he says, show me your works? And so he didn't like the book of James. Actually, he called it a straw epistle. It's really not worth anything, right? Mm-hmm. Because he thought what what Paul says in Romans 3 and Romans 5 is contradicted in James 2, and he couldn't figure that out. But again, he's dealing with the first guy to plow the, the road, mm-hmm. and he's not seeing it all clearly because he's got all this Roman Catholicism baggage and so you can understand that, and obviously it gets clearer then as as Wingley comes and as Calvin comes and all of that and that reality. And so, yeah, but there's a lot of that, and of course, same thing with Calvin. You see elements of that amillennialism, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all Roman. That was all born and bred in Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. and all of that just carries over. Replacement of Israel, all of that, and Luther had a ton of issues with his eschatology. Because he was big pro-Israel in the beginning, mm-hmm. and he evangelized the Jews, and they rejected him. And then he t- he turns, and I, I mean, honestly, some of the, what I would consider some of the worst derogatory, uh, damnable uh, uh, verbiage ever used was by Luther towards the Jews. Mm. And what he said, not in the beginning, but, but, but because they rejected him. And man, he turns on them and it's just awful mm. what was, what was said. And, and, uh, and then that breeds a whole, a whole, you know, in his theology, then it's like, yeah, they, God's done with the Jews. And it just, you start to see how some of that stuff gets borne out and it's mm. like, yeah, it's, it's not good. So that's some of the darker side of that, that obviously most people don't even talk about because yeah. they just lift them up as perfect men or whatever. And, and we're thankful for them and we stand on their shoulders in many ways they did better than we would have ever done because mm-hmm. they're plowing the path. Yet we have to be honest that they were not perfect men mm-hmm. and they were dealing with a very difficult time. Death was always at their door, whether it's the plagues or whether it's the Pope trying to kill them. And I'm thankful and I'm, I don't stand in judgment. That's God's job. But I think we do have to stand in transparent honesty and just say, Whew. 
man, I'm thankful for what they did. Praise the Lord. If they didn't do that by God's grace, we wouldn't be here. Yet at the same time, they didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. And you have to admit that. And obviously as church history goes on, we see that continuing to happen. And so, so, so what happens is you ask the question about Lutheranism and I have a chart on this when I teach this, but you come out of Roman Catholicism and essentially what happens is it's Lutheranism first, right? Mm-hmm. Cause so Ro- Martin Luther is the, is the lightning rod of the reformation. It right. starts. And so then that's where Lutheranism comes from is from his teaching. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called Lutheranism. And so there's a lot, there's a lot bred into it. And there's a, a council in Marburg castle that was dealing, he and Zwingli met and, and they were trying to unify the movement. So Zwingli's in Switzerland and Luther's in, in Germany. And they know they, they're, they've, they're hearing of each other. They know of each other. And so they come together in this council, right? And there's about 15 of them. And, uh, where was the council at? In, in Marburg, um, castle. It's, uh, actually I, I have it right here. It's actually, it's actually pretty interesting because, uh, Sausage played a big deal in that meeting, <laughs> and uh, I've never forgotten that because I like sausage, and right. a lot happens when, uh, when uh, I'm trying to think of the, 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 the date here. It comes after, um, later on. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, you, um, you, you, you piqued my attention. Um, anything that has to do with uh, any type of uh, pork product, then we're good. So this meeting was held in a, uh, um, yeah. So I, I want to say I've got it in my, I'm just, I pulled my notes off the shelf when you started talking about this because mm-hmm. I had a feeling you might ask me and obviously I, I can't remember these dates from memory or for sure. I'll get it wrong for sure. But I was just looking at my notes and, um, it says 1529. I have written down when, uh, Zwingli met obviously with Luther, with Luther, excuse me, to talk about the Lord's Supper and along with a number of other things. And so, and they met in Marburg, Germany, Marburg Castle, that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where Luther espoused the real presence of Christ view where Christ, Christ's real presence was, was, was in the elements around the elements. That's consubstantiation, right. but they didn't, the elements didn't turn into that, but he's present there. And Zwingli taught that the elements were only symbolic. They were just there to point us to Christ, remind us of Christ, and used more as a as a metaphorical illustration, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're going back and forth, and and they were never able to agree. They agreed on essentially all of all of the doctrinal points between the two. They were kind of, they were able to come to a consensus and say, yeah, we're kind of saying the same thing. And it was this one point on the Lord's Supper. They they were adamantly no. They were in total disagreement. So so what? what became really the seedbed to reformed reformed theology or the reformed movement which really is is where zwingli's at and the lutheran movement they never came together so what you have then from that point forward if you chart this out is you have the beginning you have the lutheran movement that already started some say 1517 when he nails the thesis i would say more 1521 when he's at the diet of worms right. and he's told that's when i i really think it's nailed there mm-hmm. and it starts but anyway uh, we can quibble about that but you have the lutheran movement that comes off of roman catholicism and you have the reform movement that really really is driven by zwingli and then calvin and then so you have the reformed movement and the lutheran movement mm-hmm. and every this is no no exaggeration every single denomination that is 
at any sense, quote unquote, Christian, I'm using those terms loosely, Protestant, Protestant. Yeah. In that sense, then we'll trace its origins either back to Lutheranism or back to reformed. Hmm. There's only two options, okay. right? So if you're tracing the tree, yeah, because right? you said you said uh, baptizing babies, I'm like, yes. well, that's what Presbyterians. Do. Yes, so that means that yes. Presbyterian well, came came out of Lutheran. No, no, no. So what what you'll have, what happens then in Lutheran Lutheranism, and and we're getting into the weeds, but it's fun. You mm-hmm. ask, so you're gonna let me run down this. Bring I'm gonna roll. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So eventually, what happens in Lutheranism is is uh, German Pietism takes over, and 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 that sets the seedbed right for what we know to be liberalism so so a lot of liberal thought starts to flow out of lutheranism mm-hmm. and so when you and it's interesting when you look at denominations that tend to go liberal you're going to find they find their roots back towards lutheranism not 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 at always but mm-hmm. you're going to find that mm-hmm. when you trace uh, denominations that tend to be more evangelical you're going to find that they go, they trace their roots more to the reformed mm-hmm. line. Yeah, it's fascinating. Again, that's mm-hmm. not perfect, but I can show you this on a chart, even down to specific denominations mm-hmm. and how that works. But, but the problem is you have infant baptism in, in not, not Zwingli. Well, he, he did in the beginning, then he didn't, and then he went back to it. And that's where the Anabaptists come out of, right? Mm-hmm. Because Zwingli taught that infant baptism was bad. He taught, he had like a shepherd's institute and he trained guys Mm -hmm. and he showed them in the Greek how that is not verifiable. You cannot verify that from scripture Mm -hmm. and how that is wrong. And he had good students and the students are like, yeah, yeah, that's right. We should baptism by immersion. So then they start practicing baptism by immersion and the, the disciplinary arm of the church doesn't like it and says, no, no, this is wrong. And so they go to Zwingli and Zwingli's like, well, yeah, you can't take, don't take my title away. Don't take my position away. So he flip-flops, like flip-flop Fauci. He flip-flops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. Sorry. Right. Anyway, anyway. Hey, you speaking the truth. That's it. <laughs> Amen. More ways than one. Right. But anyway, he flip-flops. And so now he goes back and says, no, no, it's infant baptism. And, and it's one of the greatest uh, flip-flops in church history. Because what ends up happening is he starts hunting down his students Mm. and ends up killing a couple of them for their, and they, it's crazy. Yeah. Nobody talks about that either, but (laughs) he holds true. Then they hold true to the biblical Mm -hmm. teaching, Mm -hmm. which is baptism by immersion for believers, not for babies. And he flip flops, he goes back and it's a mess. And those guys had some radical issues. That's the beginning of the Anabaptist movement. And that's where the Mennonites come from. And ultimately then the Amish out of that, they all come out of uh, Mino Simmons, which was one of Zwingli's students. And that's where you get Mino, you get the Mennonites and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, I have a chart. I can show it to you where you can literally see every denomination and how it filters back just like a family tree. That and yeah, now it gets really wild when you get into the 18, 1800s and 1900s, because that's where you get tons of denominations. But in the beginning, it's pretty pure because mm-hmm. once the Reformation starts spreading, then you get Presbyterianism, which which really comes comes out of uh, John Knox and uh, Scotland and England. You get a form of pres- Presbyterianism, but, but mostly in England, you get the Church of England. So you get Anglicans mm-hmm. that are in England. You get the Presbyterians that come out of Scotland, out of John Calvin. Mm-hmm. So Calvin is more of the Presbyterians. And then Zwingli, you have this Anabaptist really 
come out of him because he kind of started that. And they're the ones who take more of a memorial view of the Lord's Supper. It's not, it's not, it doesn't change. It's more of a symbol. It's more of illustrations. Mm -hmm. So there, that's more Zwingli. And then you can start to see different denominations that, that, that follow those kind of teachings and down the line it goes. That's awesome. Cause uh, yeah. yeah. There are so many. I grew up as a Baptist and, and Southern Baptist as well. Um, so I'm guessing that came from the Zwingli uh, line of the you know, tree. Yep. Uh, you know, that, yep. that branch um, yep. because of its, you know, like you're saying, like the um, <clears throat> the, the feeling of it, the more evangelical. So, yeah, I totally get that. So, yeah, um, that's good. You want to add something to that? No, nope. I, I do want to move to nope. like kind of like my second question of uh, go for it of the podcast. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is a uh, um, it, 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 it comes right in line with what you were just talking about just now, um, because, you know, one of the things that, you know, Luther was talking about was uh, sola fide. So the faith alone. Yep. What is faith? What do you mean? What is faith? Like define it? Yeah. Okay. So um, when he's talking about faith, right, he's talking about trust, dependence. That's what faith is mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, belief. We use those words synonymously. And so when he's talking about the reality of faith alone, he's give you a, a number of scriptures. He's talking about the reality of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that man is not saved by works, but he's saved by God's grace through faith right? Mm -hmm. Faith is trusting, depending on, leaning your full weight upon Christ. And so that's what faith is. Or, you know, you can go to Hebrews 11.1 1, and that whole passage of faith uh, being sure of what you hope for and being convicted of what you cannot see or have that reversed and that reality. So faith is, at the end of the day, it's simply trust, wholehearted trust, not partial trust, Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's not a work. It's not something you can earn. It's obviously gifted as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 uh, declare. And yet it's, it's dying to your own self-righteousness. So this is where in the Reformation train, Roman Catholicism is, is anti-faith, if you understand what they teach. Because there your whole hope is built on jumping through the seven sacraments and doing them faithfully and consistently. So there's no faith involved. There's just work. And so you've got to be baptized as a baby. You've got to go through confirmation class. You've got to have marriage within the church. You've got to go to mass every single Sunday, and you've got to uh, constantly uh, confess your sins to, the, to, to, a, to a priest. And then uh, you've got to ultimately have last rights before you die. They're like, there's all these hoops you got to jump through, right? And every one of those is a little bit of infusion of grace into your life. And if you get enough of that, if you do that faithfully enough and you get enough of that grace, then you have enough to tip you over the edge into heaven. If not, then they've developed the whole idea of purgatory where you go into purgatory and you have more opportunities to get more grace to where eventually you're, you're, the key word is infused. You're infused with enough enough grace because of your works, because of what you're doing. It's like you earn it. Mm -hmm. You do this, you earn a little bit more, and you earn a little bit more. And and obviously that's totally contradictory to Ephesians two eight nine to Titus three five, 
um, to the reality of Titus 2, 11 to 14, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, all of those passages which speak so clearly. Romans 3, a man is not justified by, by works, but by grace through faith and the life, death, and burial of Christ. And so, so faith is the opposite of that. Faith is the, the end of self. Faith is the death of self. Mm-hmm. Faith is saying, yeah, I, I, I can't do this. I'll never be able to do it but Christ has done it for me. So the interesting thing about faith is is faith in its most simple in its most simple definition is trust, is dependence, right? Mm-hmm. I like the word dependence. I think dependence really gets to the core of what faith is dealing with. Um theologians down through the through the years this gets technical, but it, it's it's helpful talks about faith from three different angles and the danger when we do this is we're dissecting faith and I, and I don't want anybody to think that any one aspect is faith. It takes all three of these mm-hmm. to equal one faith. But mm-hmm. think of faith as a chart, as a pie, and now you're slicing it up into three quadrants, so to speak. So they'll say faith is mental, faith is em- em- emotional or volitional, and mm-hmm. and faith is faith is you know action. So it's it begins in the mind. Faith is knowledge, mm-hmm. right? So they talk about that that it's mental, right? Faith. Faith is not blind. Faith is not mystical. It's not, I have faith, right? That's what our cult- culture and world will say. Faith and faith. Well, what is that? <laughs> faith Faith is always, is always driven by and directed to propositional truth, mm-hmm. facts. So that's why faith always begins in the mind. It's mental. It's, it, it involves, it involves um, uh, truth, right? So that's where it begins. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hearing something, and, and that's what I'm trusting in. A, a propositional truth, a fact. So it begins there, but it's more than that. It goes to the heart, right? So faith begins, yes, I believe that, right? That's where faith is. Yes, mm-hmm. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mm-hmm. Son of the living God. Right. That's the first aspect of faith. I'm pointing to a truth, and I'm saying, I believe that. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not the end. That's not, that's not it in its entirety, because the Bible says even the demons believe that. Right. And so, so f- ment- the mental ascent part is not enough. And that's what most people have, to be honest with you. That's why it's not saving faith. They have a mental ascent where they'll say, yeah, I believe I'm a sinner and Jesus died on the cross. I mean, you've heard it on the street when we evangelize, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I, yeah, I get it. I'm going to heaven. Well, how do you know that? Because I'm a sinner and Jesus died on the cross for my sins and blah, blah, blah. And they just roll through it. There's not a tear in the eye. There's not nothing, right? It's, mm-hmm. just a, it's just a syllogism. It's a theological syllogism. I say mm-hmm. this, I say that, it equals this. Yeah, you know, I got one, my ticket. That's it. Mm-hmm. So that's the mental ascent. Mm-hmm. And what's helpful is James 2 that says, yeah, even demons believe that. Yeah. And so that's what I like to call demon faith. Mm-hmm. So, so your question is huge because you got to get this right. Mm-hmm. So it involves that, but it goes further than that. So mm-hmm. it's not simply a truth I believe, right? It goes to the heart, and that is, it's a truth I am convicted of. Mm-hmm. It's a truth that 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 I'm depending on. I can believe something, and it and, and I don't depend on it, right? Mm-hmm. But but when it goes to the heart, now we're we're talking about life change, yeah. right? And this is this is the emotional side of faith mm-hmm. right this is the the side that goes from the head to the heart where it's not simply i know this is true that's the mental side to where now it's no i'm i'm banking my life on this mm. like i am i am literally believing this so that if it's wrong i'm done 
Mm-hmm. All my eggs go in this one basket. That's mm-hmm. now we're now we're starting to get somewhere, right. right? To where faith is not simply a mental understanding, but it's a heart. Here's the key word that I like. It's a conviction. Mm-hmm. It's a heart conviction that this is true, and you'll never tell me otherwise, because mm-hmm. I truly believe it. Mm-hmm. It's based on fact, so it's not blind. It's not you know mystical feelings. No. I see this propositional truth. Jesus Christ is the son of God who died on a cross because of my sin. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as was prophesied and predicted by him. And that proves he is all that he said and that the father has accepted this death on my behalf. I believe that to be true. As a matter of fact, I believe it so much. That is my life right there. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm trusting in. So that's the convictional heart change but then it goes further mm-hmm. so this is the third aspect of the pie and there's interesting words that i'm not giving you for this and that are that are you know uh interesting how this how this lays out but it then it goes to the ha- what i call the ha- the hands or the volition the volitional side of faith where you it goes from the mental side the intellectual side of faith which is knowledge it goes to the emotional side of faith which is conviction and then it goes to the volitional side of faith which is action mm-hmm. right so and this is what james is bringing home when he says faith mental without action is dead so he skips the third one he goes from the head right through the heart to the hands and james says you show me your faith by what you say i'll show you my faith by what i do mm-hmm. and he says if you're if you're not doing i if you're not obeying the word then i don't know what faith you got but it's not going to save you. it's a dead faith cuz true faith always changes the person always and that's where jesus himself says in in john 15 right you you uh this is the will of the father that you bear much fruit and so fruit and so prove to be my disciples Mm -hmm. so faith always begins with truth in the mind it always goes to the heart to convict the life and that truth coupled with conviction always always gpm's coming out now always (laughs) brings life change Mm -hmm. and that's the volitional side and that's where you you change so if i believe this then it's going to change the way I think. It's going to change the way I live. It's going to change the way I talk, right? That's what we're talking about when we say faith. That's what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 means when mm-hmm. it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're talking about. So we're talking head, heart, and hands. Head, heart, and hands. And, and then obviously... I've even coupled together in some of this the reality of repentance. And so mm-hmm. so if you really want to get biblically accurate and technical in this, what the Bible talks about in salvation, we would we would classify, and the Bible does at times, conversion, mm-hmm. right? Going from light to darkness, or going from darkness, going from light to darkness, going from, from death to life, being, being regenerated and converted. And that happens through the two-sided coin of salvation. And salvation involves faith on the one side, repentance on the other. And that's why you see that multiple times in the scripture where the call is to repent and believe. 
mm-hmm. right? And they go together because mm-hmm. you can't really have one. And, and repentance really brings out that reality of, of change, mm-hmm. of making a U-turn, right? right? Where, and that's kind of that last aspect of faith, which brings out, yeah, I see this to be true. I am convicted by it. I'm changed in my heart. And that brings a change of life. That brings the U-turn. Mm-hmm. And that's the repentance there. And so you see how they, they really do symbiotically go together and, mm-hmm. and are happening all at the same time. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is... Um, is, I, is that helpful? Very helpful. And here's why I think that is, is, is vitally important. Because we are living in a time right now when people really don't use their head. They don't think... The death, the death of common sense. Yeah, it's the death of common sense. Like people don't really think critically through things. They don't so think. Th- they don't think. No. And and so they feel. So somebody, yeah. So somebody tells you something, and you believe it without a shadow of a doubt. Instead of, wait a minute, let me think this through real quick here. Yep. So you know they or, or an emotion is thrown upon them and, they and feel it. Yeah, and or like an action, like "Hey, do this because you'll feel mm-hmm. this way." Without thinking through, like, "Wait a minute," you know, like, "Why am I doing this? Why am I?" And and they don't think through critical things. The reason why I feel that I, I know that that is important. I'm going to say the word "feel." Yeah. But the reason why I know that that is important is because of the fact that what you're saying is like you have to think through that. Oh, faith. Totally. Totally. You have to think through why you believe that. That's when it becomes a conviction, and then because of that conviction you actually work through and and do that so that's that's why i love that that whole uh that whole diagram basically of of the head heart and hands oh yeah yeah and and obviously the jesus christ himself commands that right Mm -hmm. so any real faith is always a thoughtful faith Mm -hmm. right again not so much now but it's always there there was this idea that you know Christian faith is a blind faith. It's just a blind leap. You just leap mm-hmm. into the arms of God, and there's all this mm-hmm. mystical language. Like no, there's no blind leap, right? There's faith, and faith is always right. Having this deep conviction of what is hoped for, and an understanding of what is not seen. So mm-hmm. there's there's always elements to it where. The, you have to trust. You have to depend on that which you can't fully understand and fully know. Mm-hmm. You take that away, you don't have faith, right? That's mm-hmm. part of what that is. I'm trusting in the God who has revealed himself and proven himself to be faithful. I'm trusting in him, but I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't have it all answered, but I know he does. So I trust him. That's what trust is. Mm-hmm. But it's not a blind faith because he's already proven himself to be faithful. He's shown him that that's why Christ raising from the dead is foundational to the gospel, because even if he dies on the cross, but he doesn't raise from the grave, what hope do we have? Right. So the, 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 the cross gives us the greatest help because it answers our sin problem, but it's the resurrection that gives us our greatest hope. That's mm-hmm. why Peter calls it a living hope. Why? Mm-hmm. Because everything that Christ said he would do, the resurrection proves that not only he can do it because he's conquered sin, death, and the grave, but that he will do it because mm-hmm. he did exactly what he said he would do. Mm-hmm. So when God says, if you trust in me, your sins will be forgiven. And if you trust in me and persevere in that, proving that it's true and genuine and real, then I will forgive you and you will be my child forever. I'll give you eternal life. Listen, I haven't seen that yet because I'm not, I'm not in eternity. Mm-hmm. So what am I doing? I'm trusting I'm trusting that everything he said he will do. 
And how do I trust that? Just blindly? No. I base it on the resurrection. Mm -hmm. I base it on the cross. The evidence. The evidence. Mm -hmm. So it's, you have to think critically. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus Christ himself even said, what? Let him count the cost. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, and all will see and begin to mock him, saying, The man began to build and was not able to finish. What king going off to war with another king does not sit down and first deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? If not, will the others yet a great way off as he sends a delegation and asks for terms for peace? So therefore, if anyone of you who does not renounce all, they cannot be my disciple. His point is, you better think this through. Mm-hmm. You better think critically about this. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking for a leg or an arm. I'm asking for everything. Mm-hmm. And unless you're going to give me everything, I'm I'm not giving you nothing. I just connected something that I've never connected before. As you were reading that, the first thing that popped in my head was Philippians. It's like, he being confident of this very thing, he yeah. who began a good work. That's it. And it's like, he thought it through. God, you know, God thought it through. He knows what the end will oh, be. Totally. And he's faithful to complete it. So it, I was like, that is perfect. That's his work. Mm-hmm. But we have to think that through. Is that Philippians? Philippians 1 6. Okay. We have to think that through. Mm-hmm. And obviously, even that process of thinking that through is all is all sovereign grace, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously the blind eyes can't see Mm -hmm. the clouded mind ephesians 4 the darkened mind can't think Mm -hmm. but as our eyes are open through regeneration through sovereign grace we can see we can think and that's Mm -hmm. what we do and that's Mm -hmm. all a work of god where he's calling us unto himself no one no one comes to christ who hasn't critically thought that through Mm -hmm. and then embraced that's what the thief on the cross does how does he go from mocking christ and making fun of christ hurling cuss words at christ which is what the text means when they're both cursing christ and then in the span of six hours when they're hanging on the cross he goes to defending christ Mm. he had thought this through and go wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) something's not right here here." yeah and he had thought it through and then he said no no and then he think about what he thought through this guy doesn't deserve this Mm -hmm. he's innocent Mm -hmm. this guy done nothing wrong he's not like us he's critical he's putting it together Mm -hmm. and then he demonstrates faith hey Mm -hmm. Messiah, king, when you come into your kingdom, because it's obvious you're the king, mm-hmm. remember me. What is, he, what is he showing? Faith. Mm-hmm. Faith that what? Went from his mind, went to his heart, and it actually went to his life, to his hands. He mm-hmm. defended him. He stood up. I've said that that one thief bore more fruit in a few minutes than most people do in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. He's standing up for Christ mm-hmm. when he has, by way of by way of his life, no hope. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's dying. He's got, he's breaths away from death. Right. And yet he's putting it all in the line because he believes that this is the king. Mm-hmm. It's like, whew. yeah, that's good. I love that. And the, 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 the reality of that whole, uh, thinking through the faith makes me think through something else. That Wait, you just can, can, I, can I, can I add, a little bit more. Yep. Because well, I was going to back it up because I know you jumped to uh, uh, chapter, uh, I want to say 15 or 14 in Mark. So yeah, I, I want to back you up a little yeah, bit to chapter 10 a little bit, but go right. ahead. Well, I just want to add to that because this is a, this is a, um, 
a reality we don't understand enough, Mm -hmm. the nature of faith, the aspect of faith, and more importantly, the priority of faith. Mm -hmm. I believe because we've lived in such a mysticism, a mystical Christianity for so long, which is obviously uh, unhealthy and wrong. We're going the same direction. So, so because here's, here's the reality. We are not only saved by faith, Mm-hmm. We are sanctified by faith. Mm-hmm. We are preserved by faith, mm-hmm. right? And and our entire life all comes down to one thing. If if, if you're going to work this out biblically and theologically and accurately, you're going to come down to this one reality. Faith is the core. I'm not talking mystical feeling. I'm talking about what I just explained, mm-hmm. right? Working it out theologically in, in the evidence, the revelation. It's all begin. God reveals himself. I see it. And then I believe it. Mm-hmm. And then I live it. Mm-hmm. That's true faith, right? Mm-hmm. And all of that obviously is the working of, of Christ in our hearts. Philippians 2, uh, 12 to 13. However, it is not simply that for salvation. It is that for everything. And the reason why so many people struggle with sanctification, with fighting sin, you want to know why? Is because they they struggle in their faith. Mm. And it is so important to learn and get this and realize that, no, it's it's my faith that is lacking. Mm -hmm. I don't believe. Mm -hmm. I don't trust what God has said. I don't trust his word is sufficient. Mm -hmm. I don't trust that Christ... Well, you said Philippians one is doing the work. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that he has what he has promised is true. So therefore, I stop fighting. I quit fighting. I don't trust what he says about sin and 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 uh, the reality of the glory of sanctification and fighting. I don't trust it because if I did, I wouldn't do this, mm-hmm. right? And so, what we trust is ourselves. And the reality is, the moment we stop trusting ourselves and start trusting the Lord, everything changes even in our sanctification and our sanctification it's as much about faith not not a dead faith not a not a whimsical faith not a lifeless faith but an active faith which involves obeying mm-hmm. right believing and obeying mm-hmm. it's as much about that in sanctification as it is in salvation mm-hmm. and so for so long so many people have their christianity where it's like no i'm saved by faith and now i now i go and live the christian life Yes, but you live the Christian life by faith as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop. Yeah. What began with faith, it continues with faith, and it will be finished with faith, i.e. through the working of God. And that is so missed mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and so important. It's, 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 I cannot express to you enough how foundational that is to mature Christianity Mm -hmm. because the whole thing is a work of God. Mm -hmm. And yet I must work it out. I must kill sin. I must obey. I've got a whole list of things that I'm called to do, but how do I do that and not be defeated and, and not be pharisaical and not be prideful and not be, uh, um, constantly looking at myself. I do it by constantly looking to Christ and knowing that he that began this good work in me mm-hmm. is going to complete. I do it by working out my own salvation, which is ultimately sanctification in context is what he's saying. Work it out. That's all right. I got to do it. But I do it by knowing that it is God who has work in me and mm-hmm. through me to do his goodwill. Well, how do I do that? By trusting him all the while that he's going to do this. Mm-hmm. Huge. Can't minimize that. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the 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 way that I was going was this because 
there are times and I'll I'll no problem with admitting this. There are times in my life where I'm 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 thinking through things, you know, yep. life, you know, circumstance and I I come to this like kind of like fork in the road I would call it. And I'm like, is this really real? Is this whole like redemption story, this this uh uh, this Christ dying for our sins, you know, yep. is all of this real? Yeah. And then what I start to do is I start to think through what I've already concluded yep. with my, with you know, with, with my studying mm-hmm. and with my learning, I mm-hmm. would say. So it's like I've concluded that, one, the heavens declare the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So I see, I can see this the sky yep. who made the sky mm-hmm. i can only have faith that it is christ mm-hmm. that actually did that or god that actually did that mm-hmm. and then that all puts everything back together mm-hmm. that says you know what there's no way in the world it can ever be any other way because of what the scripture has said mm-hmm. not just because of the fact that scripture has said it but like we were talking about earlier there is a lot of evidence there's historical evidence there's also you know evidence that i've seen personally in my life where i wasn't sure about this one thing and then i read a scripture that says oh well this is what is true that all makes sense mm-hmm. now you could go and, and we can you know you, you could probably you know better than me go and and look up the history oh well the history points to this this has happened that has happened you mm-hmm. know and i'm like okay this all makes sense what does not make sense is the big bang theory just all of a sudden just something just just happened i can't i think it's harder for me to believe that there is no god than to believe that there is a god like it's really easy for me to say you know what there is definitely 100 percent god there's only one deuteronomy 6 and i need to be teaching my children about this god you know yeah. that is that it, like for me it's so much easier for me to wrap my brain around that versus all the other stuff that's out there so you know i, I what i understand about that you know whenever i have that 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 series or that that like like one instance of doubt it's like okay bring it back to what you know what you have believed already and that is where you you plant your flag so um i think that and here's the other reason why that comes up and when you were talking about like all the stuff that's in christianity what people tend to do is they tend to like you know for me i, I was listening to all these bad pastors and bad theology and everything like that so uh something happens in my life i pray um that god will turn it around Hmm. i pray for someone's healing i pray for somebody not to die i pray for this situation to be different the wisdom of those pastors is hey when you prayed you must not have had enough faith and that's why it didn't happen so it's not necessarily is used pretty much as a weapon like wait a minute you're not good enough and you didn't you have enough faith to believe that that was going to happen. So what that does is that is where the seeds of doubt kind of come in, but I'm supposed to be having more faith. You see the conundrum that I'm, I'm kind of like kinda trying to deal with there. Mm. So I think that the, the question would be, uh, you know, coming off of, you know, uh, Mark 10 where, uh, 
Jesus says to the blind uh, son of Timaeus uh, <laughs> that, uh, hey, your faith has made you whole. Yep. You know, obviously that is used as a like, hey, you see, he had faith. He was he was made whole because of his faith. Yeah. How do you reconcile that where it's like, well, your faith has made you whole. Does that kind of give us the idea that faith heals, that faith is able to change a situation? You know, our faith is what pushes that from from all of what you said. You know, help me out with, with, with that aspect. Yeah, so um, a couple things. Um, try to unpack this. It's a lot. It's yeah, a, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a big. I just I just uh, knocked on your door with that Amazon package, and, and it's, it's, it's pretty. It's a, it's a refrigerator sized box, right there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, um, let's back up and unpack this a little bit, and let's let's talk about faith um, on this on the aspect of where faith is directed. Okay, because this is the side we haven't unpacked yet. Mm-hmm. So faith is is utterly and completely worthless. I'm gonna say that again. Faith is utterly and completely worthless. It is as worthless as a uh, four dollar uh, nickel. I was gonna say a four dollar bill. <laughs> there you go. It is. It's it's of no use to anyone if it's not directed to the right object faith is only as good and as strong as the object to which you direct it Mm -hmm. so faith is 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 not about you it's never about you right what you're talking in the charismatic movement it's all about your faith Mm. you didn't have enough faith Mm -hmm. you 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 didn't do it right Mm -hmm. you didn't have the right equation you didn't have Mm -hmm. the right thought you didn't have and it and it's like no no Faith is never about me. Matter of fact, faith is driven by the fact that it's not about me. Mm. I got nothing, mm. right? So what you're talking about is what I call worthless faith. Hmm. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't bring anything but guilt and, and confusion and clouds. Mm-hmm. This worthless faith is, faith is what Mormons have. It's what Jehovah's Witnesses have, mm-hmm. what Muslims have, what every false religion has. It has a worthless faith. They will all go to hell being very faithful people. So it's never about faith, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the direction of your faith. Mm. It's about the object of your faith. Mm -hmm. Give you, for instance, I can have faith that I can fly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can believe it. Mm -hmm. I can have all kinds of faith, and many people do. Mm -hmm. And I can go on the roof, and I can say, faith, fly. And I can jump off that roof. And guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to fly. But it had nothing to do with my faith. You're going to fly for a couple seconds, though. No, I'm not going to fly. I'm going to fall. There's a difference <laughs> between flying and falling. Come on now. I'm from West Virginia, but I'm not that. Uh, <laughs> and so, what I mean is you're going to be in the air yeah, for a few seconds. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about flying. Right? I'm talking about falling. Lift and all yeah, that. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm talking about soaring, brother. Come on now. <laughs> so, no. And, and so that's part of the confusion. Mm-hmm. We elevate faith to this mystical, powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And the blind man was healed because, not because his faith, because his faith was directed in God. Mm. He believed in Christ. Mm-hmm. His faith in Christ. That's the key. What are you believing in? And this is what I was alluding to earlier that we needed to get to, and that's why I went here. Because it's not about faith. It's never about faith. Faith will save no one. Mm-hmm. 
but faith in Christ will save everyone. And that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And so our charismatic friends get this all wrong because it's not about faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. It's about faith in faith. It's about faith in self, mm. right? It's about faith in, in your strength, believing in yourself, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. that nonsense, which obviously is totally unbiblical and countercultural, counter, counter biblical, right? Mm-hmm. It goes against the true, true uh, faith in the Bible is you deny yourself, you die, your, you stop believing in yourself mm. and you believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's what the blind man did. That's what James and John didn't do. They were mm-hmm. believing in themselves. They were focused on themselves. They were mm-hmm. telling Christ, you do for us what we ask before mm-hmm. we ask it because we're believing in ourselves. We want first place and blind man's not doing anything Speaking like that. Of which I was, I was waiting for you to say it, that to make this point, but I, I have it in my Bible. I have a, 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 mm-hmm. a like a, a, a line drawn <laughs> between those two because Jesus asked, uh, asked the disciples, yep. and he asked uh, uh, Bart, yep. we'll call him, yep. the same question. Amen. I was like, are you kidding? And and it was it was almost as if I was I was imagining, you know, obviously this isn't scripture, but I was imagining that, uh, you know, since James and John were standing there, they, they heard him say this, and they're like, oh, man, like, Oh, I, 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 he asked him the same question, and then uh, Bart's reaction was completely different yep. than James and John. Yep. And I, I know they they kind of felt like I got egg on my face now because it's like now I see it, now I understand it. I've been illuminated now to realize who he was and why he's here is not for my my personal gain. Yeah. You know, mom, stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need to be. Looking and focusing on Christ and putting my faith in Christ. Yeah. Well, Sorry, that's just a side. Nope. They a got side. that that illumination came after the resurrection, but it came for right. them. But they asked. I mean, this is the key. This is your, to your point. They asked without faith. Bart asks with faith, mm-hmm. not faith in faith, but faith in Christ. They didn't mm-hmm. trust Christ to do what he had already promised he would do. They they wanted more, mm-hmm. right? They trusted in their system, their plan. They had a plan. They were devising. They're trusting in themselves. They were. It was pride. It was so. That's what. All, that's what pride and selfishness is. Mm-hmm. Bart had none of that. Mm-hmm. He he. And, and as you see, he trusted in the Son of David. He, notice he doesn't say, "Can you heal me?" There's not none of that. Let me. Let me. He doesn't even say, "Heal me." He just says, "Let me recover my sight." Mm. It's just like it's right there. You got it. Mm-hmm. You you got it. Just give it to me. <laughs> like what faith. And notice he goes to Christ, mm-hmm. right? It's it's all about the direction. So in some ways, um, in some ways, you see this reversed with Judas, because it's interesting, right? Because Judas shows remorse um, over his sin. He goes and tries to fix his his problem, and obviously it blows up in his face with the thirty pieces of silver. He throws them in to uh, back at the Pharisees, and you know here here he spirals down. And Judas's problem wasn't that he lacked faith. He had faith. He had faith in himself the whole time. Mm. And we see where that landed him. Mm-hmm. He dies because he was believing in himself. He never turned to Christ. You know, I've often wondered what would have happened if he would have truly repented. The Bible calls that a sorrow that leads to death. Mm. He, he weeps. He's broken because he, he sheds innocent blood, but he won't turn to Christ in true faith. Mm. He turns to himself 
and he tries to fix his problem. So he goes back and tries to rectify it. That doesn't work. So what does he do? He turns to himself. He says, I'll end this. I'll hang myself. It's all trusting in himself to deal with his problem. He got a rude awakening once his neck snapped. And he realized, well, I didn't fix this problem. Because then he wakes up, obviously, in eternal torment. And then it's like, boom. Mm. Yeah, this didn't fix my problem. Trusting in himself. And so, so you see that reality of every single false religion truly is putting faith in themselves, right? Because every one of them, every single false religion, whatever it is, and everyone that will be invented, because they mm-hmm. are invented every day, mm-hmm. every, will always do the same thing. It will involve at some point faith in self. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's the ultimate, because that's satanic. That's the mother of, father of all lies, Satan himself. And so that's where all that comes from, where biblical truth, Christianity, is faith in one person, Christ. So when we're talking about this, that's the key reality that cannot be minimized. It can't be overlooked. It has to be faith directed in Christ, right? And the Old yeah. Testament, we see that it was faith directed in God, right? Mm-hmm. In the in the hope of the Messiah that would come, the mm-hmm. promised one. And that's what it was, uh, Hebrews 11, right? Yeah. That's the hall of faith. Mm-hmm. And how do they do what they do? How does Noah do what he does? Abraham, you know, mm-hmm. I, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses, Sarah, all these people, it's... It's mm. faith. And notice they don't get what they were what they were hoping for. Mm. They didn't get it. Right? Mm. They died looking forward to it coming. Now they get it, obviously in glory, but uh they didn't see what we what we saw. That's the writer of Hebrews, that's his point. We have a we have a better covenant. We have a better better reality because now that hope has come in Christ and we mm-hmm. see him and that's his point. But yet they believed anyway. Mm. They believed in 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 the face of 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 not seeing and they believed and what a what a glorious truth that is i was you you were talking before and i was just thinking of this passage back to the priority of faith in the in the in the lord and it's this glorious passage in in first peter one talking about the gospel right and blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy has caused us to be, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Here you go. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. Talking about now. Mm-hmm. Who by God's power, you are being guarded. How? Through faith. Mm-hmm. You are being guarded even this very moment through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And that's just showed that that, that reality of faith isn't initial doorway it's the road we walk on mm. and that's why three different times in the new testament and throughout the old testament we are we are told romans hebrews um this reality the righteous shall live by faith mm-hmm. the entire thing is about faith not faith in faith not faith in self faith in god that mm. what god has said will come true so to your point i would say there's some truth to what you said in your earlier montage about evidence, evidence, evidence. And I would say, yeah, there's obviously there's some truth. This whole book is nothing but evidence, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm not denying that. However, however, when we really get down to the core of what faith really is, faith is belief in, in the Lord, despite whether I have evidence or not, Mm. I trust him anyway. Mm -hmm. 
and obviously there's evidence because he's proven it, but I'm talking about faith in something that I don't yet see. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly what Hebrews, and I'll, and I'll read it now. This is a good way to come full circle. That's exactly what Hebrews 11 shows us with all those people and what it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hoped is always future, right? Mm-hmm. Assurance is confidence of that which is yet to come. Mm-hmm. That's what hope is always looking. I'm looking forward. So it's assurance of things hoped for. The, the confidence of what is yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. And the conviction of things not seen. That's it. And so when it comes to true ultimate faith, there is a reality to it that we are dealing with things we cannot see. We are dealing with things that are not yet crystal clear to us. And to remove that is, in many ways, to remove faith. If all I have is evidence, I don't need faith. But when the evidence is pulled back and I don't have it all completely figured out, I'm forced to what? I'm forced to trust. Mm -hmm. And that is really the core of true, genuine Christianity. It's when I can't figure it all out, I don't fully understand it, and I can't see the beginning from the end, and none of us can, and yet I believe. That is the key. And that's what most people do not have. Mm. All they have is evidential faith, which I'm not denying there's a place for evidence, and there is. That's the whole point of the resurrection. However, we don't have all the evidence. We don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, he calls us to live by faith. Mm -hmm. And And that's the key that unlocks the doorway of salvation as well as sanctification. It's like, is this really going to kill my sin to repent and to memorize scripture and to, and to continue to assault my heart and say, no, is that really going to deal with this temptation? Is that really going to put this sin that I've been dealing with for, for, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever. Is this really pastor? Is that what you're telling me I've got to do? Yes. Mm. How, how can you tell? Cause that's what God's word says mm. and you believe it and don't just believe it. And you know, Jedi mind trick, You believe it and now go do it Mm -hmm. and you read God's word and you memorize it and you meditate on it and you come the Lord's day and you sit under the preaching of the word and you rejoice uh, with the congregation and you come together with your fellow brothers and you encourage one another and you keep assaulting your heart with truth. You put it off and you put it on and, Mm -hmm. and you do this and you trust the Lord that it'll work because that's what he said to do. And he said in doing this, you will kill sin and you will grow in holiness but how do I know? Because he said, and you trust him, the righteous shall live by faith. And guess what happened? It works because what he said is true, but I got to trust it. And if I trust it, I'll do it. And that's, that's the rubber and the road that most people never get to. And that's why their faith oftentimes is false. It's just, it's just two plus two equals four. I got that. But what about the other side that you don't, that you don't have, but you trust that's, that's, that's reality. And that's where we are. And so that's that side where, you know, I was listening to you, you know, and all of these evidences, which are good. But here's the part that I would push back a little bit and say, as you mature and grow, you realize this side, that my eyes deceive me mm-hmm. and my heart has already deceived me. And so I can't even trust at times the things I think and the things that I see because I'm, I'm sinful, I'm selfish, I'm prideful. Mm. So my trust 
is only in one thing and one thing alone, not in what I can evaluate and evidence and say, yeah, this and this and this. No, it's this. Mm-hmm. And that's why Romans uh, 8.28, greatest verse in all the Bible, most glorious promise in all of Scripture, starts out in, in, a, in a phrase that is awesome, and it's the key to faith. Romans 8.28 says, and this we know. Mm. Faith is always born out of what we know to be true about God. Mm-hmm. Not experienced, not feel, but know. Well, what do I know? I know what the Bible says, and I believe it. Mm-hmm. That's the faith. It's always that, right? It's always. Abraham is the is the greatest illustration of faith because he had it worked out. No. God says, hey, idol worshiper, believe me, go that way, and I'll make you a great nation. And where I'm pointing that way, it's going to be all yours. What way? Just go that way. Just trust me, and it'll all be yours. What does he do? Okay, I'll go. I'm yours. And then he wanders around. This, mm. See all this? It's all yours. Really, it's all mine. Yep, it's all yours. I'm going to give it I'm going I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give it to your offspring. But I don't have any offspring. Matter of fact, I got nobody. Mm-hmm. And I'm a dried up old man. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. How am I going to have offspring? Is it this Eleazar, the the guy who's in my in my home? No, it's not him. It's going to be your own seed. Really? Okay, I trust you. Now he gives him an offspring at 100 years old. Now he says, okay, take your one and only son. Go sacrifice him to me. Well, he had faith in himself first. Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, he, but again, the Lord in his grace and mercy, he comes back mm-hmm. and he believes, mm-hmm. right? And what does he do? Greatest, uh, greatest illustration of faith. Takes his son Isaac. Mm-hmm. Hey, how? Think about it. What evidence? What evidence does he have? He's going to, he's, and he, I mean, he was, the word, the text is clear. He was going to do it. Mm-hmm. He's going to cut the throat. Mm-hmm. He's going to plunge the knife in the throat of his own son. Mm-hmm. Right? And what does what does the angel of the Lord that stops him say? Now I know you fear, you believe the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's testing his faith. Mm-hmm. Not testing it so God would know, but testing it to ultimately for us to see and for Abraham to grow. Mm-hmm. But showing, yeah, no, this is what it's all about. And that's why Romans 4 Right, which is uh, again, you're in the heart of the gospel in the book of Romans. Romans four is all about what? It's the illustration of faith, because that's the key to the whole deal. And what is it all about? Abraham, because he's the illustration. He believed, as Romans four said. Think about this. Think about no evidence of this ever happening, but it says he believed that what God promised him. This is the hope of things to come and the conviction of things not seen. It says he believed that God had the power to raise his son from the dead because God had already told him, I'm going to make you through your son a great nation. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, I have so much faith in my God that I'm going to do what he tells me to do. And this makes no sense to me. But if I kill this child, God's going to bring him back to life again. Because he has promised that this child is the child of the promise, i.e. it's going to come through the seed. Mm-hmm. And that is faith in the face of no evidence. There's no evidence of that. What evidence did he have? Who was raised to the dead? Who, who did he ever see raised right, from the dead? Right. no evidence of that. Now, mm-hmm. he saw himself as dead, right? So God was faithful. He was as dead. That's what the text says. And yet... God brought life out of what was dead. Mm-hmm. So God had already, again, shown himself to be faithful. Hey, I brought this child out of a dead man. 
I can bring this child back to the, back to life. Mm-hmm. And, and Romans talks about that, that that's, and that's what our faith is. We look at it and go, I mean, how does the cross, how does the death of Christ, it, it is, it's foolishness to the world. Mm-hmm. You believe in some dead guy that died on the cross and his blood's going to be the cord to your justification. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Does it? Mm-hmm. But that's what we believe. I have faith in that. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, um, faith is Holy Spirit gifted. There's an aspect to it that is not understood by the unbeliever and it can't be convinced. You cannot, you can, this is where apologetics goes off the rail. You cannot, you cannot argue that with somebody. They will never understand that because that's a gift of the Holy Spirit where we, we believe even in the face of where it just, it, it eventually, it eventually breaks down where we come to the end of it and go, yeah, it is, it is what it is. Cause God said it. And I mean, the Bible is the word of God and it's without error, totally sufficient. And you, you prove it and you can, there's evidence for this 40 different authors, three different continents, three different languages, all saying the same thing. You know, it's like, yeah, there's evidence. But then at the end of the day, you keep bringing it down, bringing it down. And it's like, yeah, but how does it not have errors? You got a a sinful man and you got the Holy Spirit and I can show you that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to this. It will all come down to this. Yeah. You know what? I don't have it all figured out. I don't know. You know, I know what it says that the Holy Spirit led men along to write what God wanted them to write. And it came out perfect. That's all I can say. I don't know how all that works, Mm -hmm. but I believe it. Why? Because that's what God's word says. Yeah. That's faith. Mm -hmm. So I I don't have all the answers, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like Romans 8, 28. God's going to work every single dust particle in the life of his children for their good. Cancer, loss of a child loss of a spouse prematurely in our minds, you know, a young wife dies and it's like, you got three kids and you're going to tell me that God's working this out for my good. Don't, how dare you tell me that? I know it's hard, but that's what he says. And that's what we believe. Mm-hmm. And that's what Romans eight twenty eight and what we live, live by. I live by what I know, not what I feel and what I think. Because in that moment, I don't think this is good. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it doesn't feel good. But I live by what I know to be true about God. Mm-hmm. And that's the heartbeat of faith. And that's why you have to go back to the word. Mm-hmm. You cannot you cannot rest upon your own even logical thinking. Where it's like, I've worked it out and it's this and it's this and it's this. Yes, there's a time for critical thinking and all of that. However, at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to this is what God has said. He's proven himself over here to be faithful. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to trust him anyway. Mm-hmm. And that is the core of true faith. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think that that point that you have, you know, kind of put out is proven uh, time and time again, as I think through, you know, that Abraham didn't have anything, Mm-mm. but Judas had everything. Mm-hmm. He had every single aspect of of evidence and still didn't believe nope so his eyes were blind i mean yeah. think about noah what oh, think about it, it never <laughs> never rained no yeah. rain no flood yeah. he's out in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. 120 years go for wood pounding nails and it's just like what faith they're preaching the gospel all along what evidence does yep. he have any evidence and everybody's mocking him because there's no evidence mm-hmm. and what is he a man of faith yeah it's like, yeah. I mean, so you start to see, 
yeah, there is evidence. There's evidence. There's always evidence that God is God. Mm -hmm. And there's always evidence that God is faithful and powerful and all. But there's not evidence in that moment what God is calling you to in that sense, right? That's why it's faith. Because I got to trust in the word of God. I've got to trust in the character of God. I know that to be true. Mm -hmm. So I trust that even in the moment when I can't see it. That's the heartbeat of faith. And that's not in you. Yeah. And yep. that's, that's the blind Bart. Yeah. He couldn't even see. He got nothing. But he's mm. trusting because what? He's trusting in what he knew to be true. This is the son of David. And so he's going back to the Old Testament and what he had learned, no doubt, as a child. And it's like, yeah, this guy's going to heal the blind. He's going to, the lame will leap for joy. This is it. He's the son of David. I believe that to be true. And that's why Jesus says, your faith, your faith in me, that has made you well. So, uh, my notes in Hebrews 11 uh, at the very end, uh, it, it, it's, it's explaining this, this, uh, this, this phrase, convictions of yeah. things not seen. Yeah. It says, uh, truth faith, true faith is not based on empirical evidence, there you go. Uh, but on divine assurance mm -hmm. and is a gift of God. Amen. And I love that because that is basically what you've just been saying for the past five minutes that's it and it's i mean it's 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 i i i, I venture to say that's gospel truth amen so um one of the things that i want to do as we are closing is this the uh <laughs> i put a challenge out and only two people have responded on uh twitter and I gave them a, a challenge to say, hey, uh, you're on an elevator and you have 30 seconds and you're going to give somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, I said, what what would you say? And uh, I'm, I'm trusting <laughs> I haven't even read these responses, so I'm going to read them live uh -oh. right here. And this is his question. No, this is what he says. Uh, this is redeemed Matthew. So it's another Matthew. He says. Has anyone told you how to escape death if this elevator were to fall? Yeah. We can escape it by trusting that we are forgiven for all our sins through faith in, Je in, faith in Jesus. And through that faith, we have eternal life with God, our maker. Mm. Okay. And uh, Micah, Alabama amigo, he's, uh, <laughs> he's actually uh, at the, he's, he's, I think he was either considering or at the, uh, we call it the strip mall uh, seminary. Yeah. He's a student there. And this is what he says. Well, yes, too. You are created by a good and gracious God. In sin, you and I have rejected God, and we desperately need his forgiveness. I am a sinner who is in need of forgiveness just like you. Jesus, the Son of God, became a human, lived a sinless life on my behalf, died for my sins, and rose again. And because he lives, I live, and you can live too. Today he offers you the hope of forgiveness and hope for your future. Mm. So... I think he'll, I think he'll be okay once he graduates, right? And, yeah, and goes into ministry. He's heading in the right direction, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Pra so praise the Lord. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So uh, I don't want to I don't want to just leave it there. I want uh, the, uh, uh, the the slave of this house to actually give us the gospel uh, before we close out the uh, the podcast. So, yeah. Uh, I, you don't necessarily have to do it in and, 30 seconds. Oh, okay, good. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a challenge for you. That's a uh, yeah. challenge. I, I am, I am uh, 
time challenged. <laughs> Let's just say it that way. But uh, how about this? How about you give us a way to give the gospel in a very pithy manner? Yeah, I, I think I think the one of the most helpful ways to do that is through those four words, right? Of God, right? Man, mm-hmm. Christ, mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. I think that is obviously one of the best, clearest, and most biblically accurate ways. And there's obviously all kinds of ways to do that. And the gospel's gospel's not a formula. Gospel's not a program. Gospel's not a spiritual syllogism, right? Mm-hmm. The gospel at the end of the day is propositional truth. And mm-hmm. you can't ever forget that. Propositional truth that must be believed, mm-hmm. must must be given, right, faith in. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's propositional truth about Christ, right? right? So it's right. that faith and direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't lose sight of that. It's not a prayer you pray. It's not, you know, an equation where you got that or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's everything we've been talking about for the last hour. But so I think that that's helpful because obviously that comes straight out of scripture. So the gospel always begins with God in the beginning, God, God created everyone and everything. Therefore he has all authority, right? And which means we must obey him because all of life comes from him. We owe him allegiance. We owe him submission. We owe him obedience. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. Cause he's the owner of everything, including me. He's the creator. He's not only just a creator, but he's a holy creator, Mm -hmm. right? He's perfect without blemish, without stain, without sin, without anything wrong. And the problem is we are not holy. And we've proven that by rebelling against the creator. He created us to worship him. We have all rebelled by worshiping ourselves. And that there sits the dilemma of all eternity. God creates man to worship him. Man rebels against him and worships himself. And the Bible calls that sin. And because man sins and God is holy, then sin must be judged. It must be pushed out of his presence through judgment. And that's what's coming upon all men. So Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God. Genesis chapter 2, God creates man to worship him. Genesis chapter 3, man worships self and brings judgment. I mean, there's the first three chapters of the, of, of the Bible. God, holy God, sinful man. Mm-hmm. Enter God's grace, which is what? Sinful son of man, mm-hmm. Jesus, or sinless son of man, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, who God sends by his own free will and volition. God himself makes the choice to send his son to stand in the sinner's place. Mm-hmm. He takes his sinless Son of God, the Son of Man, he sends him to earth to live the perfect life so that he can die the perfect atoning death, standing in the place of the sinner. Christ never sinned. He never became sin. I think we did something about that last time. He never became sin, Mm -hmm. but he stood in the place of sinners. Mm -hmm. He took the wrath that sinners deserve. God himself puts his son between God and man so that God's wrath keeps pouring out, but not against the man, but against the God-man. And so he bears, that's God's plan. That's called salvation. But that salvation isn't universal. It isn't given willy-nilly. God has a covenant, a covenant, a plan, and says, I will accept the death of my son on your behalf, and I will accept pouring my wrath on him as if I poured it out on you, so that you are protected from my wrath if you will repent and believe in my son. Mm. 
That's God's plan. Mm -hmm. And so he says, all who will repent of their sins, meaning they recognize they have rebelled against the holy God. They've recognized that he is the one true and ultimate creator and sovereign of all the earth. And they've rebelled against him. And they recognize that he has sent his one and holy perfect son to die in their place. And that that son rose from the grave, proving everything that God said is true. There's the evidence proving that if you put your faith in him, I will do for you just as I did for him, raised him from the dead. I will raise you from the dead spiritually and one day physically. But it all demands your response. And that response is dying to yourself, turning away from yourself and trusting, truly depending in Christ alone. And that's the gospel. And the gospel is the promise. The promise is if you do that, you will live. If you don't, you will die. You will live for eternity, eternity and you will die, i.e. under judgment for all eternity. Never stop dying. You'll just be judged for all eternity. That's the promise. It goes both ways. That's it. That is great. I love it. I am, uh, <laughs> I think that, that, we don't hear the gospel enough. Like we need to, you know, uh, say it to ourselves. We need to obviously tell it to other people, but you know, hearing it over and over again is, is really refreshing. Amen. Uh, and, and even more important, I had a two and a, two and a half hour counseling session about this this afternoon with somebody and was driving this point. Obviously that's why it was two and a half hours. <laughs> I was driving this point to the encouragement of this person. It was, it was a, it was a glorious moment of encouragement and it was not that we just simply hear the gospel but we have to live our lives every moment of mm -hmm. every day mm -hmm. in light of the gospel mm -hmm. that's what paul means when he says for the love of christ compels me mm -hmm. amen that's good all right thank you all for tuning in see you all later take care thanks for tuning in today Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.